Okay, Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> Excuse me. Original sin. Let's just uh, pause and briefly pray together. Father, we thank you that we can again uh, meet and together we can look at your word and these very uh, important passages in the Old Testament. So we pray, Lord, that, um, uh, that we might know you speaking to us as we read your word because lord we know that's why you've given it to us so we just commit this short time together to you amen so yesterday in genesis 1 and 2 um, we had that breathtaking panorama of creation uh, as heaven and earth the heavens and the earth are uh, created and we see adam and eve made for each other literally we talk about couples being made for each other don't we but for Adam and Eve, it was 100% true. They were made for each other. They com com completed each other. She completed him. He completed her. And of course, they are situated in a beautiful place, the Garden of Eden. Uh, another word for that is paradise. Everything was available to them. The fruit, uh, all the vegetation, everything except for just one tree where God commanded them not to eat the fruit. And of course, in that garden, they enjoyed fellowship with God, as, uh, as we will touch on this morning. I just want to, rather than work through the whole passage, you can never do that in a few minutes anyway. I just want to just pick out two questions that feature in today's passage in Genesis chapter 3. And the first one is in verse 1. And the question is posed by the devil appearing as a snake, a serpent. And his opening words are, did God really say? Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. And yesterday we, we learned, didn't we? We saw how when God speaks, wonderful things happen. God speaks and out of chaos and disorder, he brings this beautiful creation. He brings, he brings uh, unity. Things connect together, fit together as they, as they should. He brings light into the situation and light of course means life when the devil speaks he does the very opposite he brings the very opposite it brings the potential for chaos and disorder for pain for darkness separation division and ultimately death and when the serpent says did God really say he's very cleverly very cleverly he's very wise in that sense he's beginning to put a doubt within Adam and Eve's mind or Eve's mind in specifically that somehow God is holding back from them 
but somehow they're not enjoying all that all that they could enjoy yes it's absolutely marvelous and wonderful but there's more and actually God's not allowing you to have access to the more and if only you were to do what he said not to do then you wouldn't just be in a sense in the image of God you'd be like God himself you would almost you would be like you'd God you'd have God's wisdom perhaps God's power and there's it's terribly well sad is not the word is it the truth is that they choose not to trust what God has said and believe his promise and obey his command but they choose to do what they think is best for them with terrible consequences the devil said did God really say do we ever hear that temptation ourselves the, the immediate consequence of course of them taking the fruit was that they recognized their own nakedness they were no longer morally innocent they felt shame and guilt and they try and cover themselves up don't they we have the appearance of the immortalized fig leaf to try and cover their nakedness The second question is the question that God asks in verse 9. And God walks in the garden. In a sense, that shows us the sort of fellowship that they enjoyed with God. That he walked and he talked with them. That's how close they were. And God's walking in the garden and they've hidden. I don't know what they thought they could achieve by hiding. But they're hidden and God walks in and he asks that question doesn't he where are you where are you now we know that's a rhetorical question God knew exactly physically where they were that's not why he's asking the question is he and I wonder what tone of voice God uses when he asks that question just a tone of anger he had every right to be angry or is it a tone of deep sadness of loss of hurt God comes looking for them and God comes looking for us there will be many consequences as a result of their actions that will ruin their relationship with creation. The earth will no longer produce in the way it did before. It will be hard work to scratch a living, literally. Their relationship with each other, which was so perfect, is now out of sync. We see that immediately start blaming one another for what's happened. But most of all, their relationship with God is spoiled. And they will no longer walk and talk with him in the garden. They will be cast out. They will be banished. And even that, you might want to think, is an act of grace. Because who would want to live? Who would want to live eternally in a world like the one that we live in? 
that's what could have happened should they have accessed the tree of life. But even here, even here in this terrible passage in a sense in the Bible, this tragic story, we see hope, don't we? Because when uh, God curses the serpent, he says this, he talks about, he says this to, to Eve, he says, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. An offspring of this woman would crush the head, would crush the head of the serpent, would kill him, would bring it all to an end. And we know, don't we, we know that that speaks about Jesus. He is the offspring of Eve that one day would completely crush the enemy, the devil, and bring his purposes to an end. And we see that graphically displayed, don't we? When Jesus shouts in triumph on the cross, it is finished. That is the act which crushes Satan's head. Sorry about that. I should have switched my phone off. Apologies. And later on, we see, don't we, that, that God clothes them in garments, not little fig trees, <laughs> fig leaves sewed together, but animal skins. He puts, he gives, the, the word is a covering. That's what he gives them, a covering. And that word covering is related to the word that we talk about sometimes, the word atonement. The skins would cover their nakedness, but the death of Christ atones for, covers our sin. And it's a pointer forward to that, that wonderful act of Christ. And if you looked, I mentioned yesterday that you could look in Revelation 21 and 22 and you could see there the connections between Genesis and Genesis 1 and 2. And of course, in Genesis uh, 21, what do we see? We find a bride, a people, beautifully dressed, prepared to meet with their God and their creator. So, two questions to ask ourselves. First of all, are we hiding from God? Is there anything that, that we know that we have done that actually is creating a distance between us and God? Because perhaps we've chosen to do what we think is best for us rather than what we know his word teaches us. And secondly, do we hear God say, where are you? God comes looking for us, just like Jesus talked about looking for the lost sheep. And we can respond to that because of what Christ has done. We can respond to that. We can come to him. And that's something absolutely wonderful and is available and open to each one of us. So let's just have a little moment where we pause. Just reflect on those things for ourselves. And then, uh, and then perhaps somebody uh, would close in prayer for us.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are not a reluctant God. And just as you sought out Adam and Eve in those early days, we know that you come seeking us. Thank you for that. Thank you for your keeping power. That you've kept us this far during our lives. And we bear testimony that the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who are committed to him. So as remember your seeking and we remember your care and your unfailing love, we go into this day asking that we will have good thoughts of you, that you will help us to set a watch over our thoughts and our words and our actions. Pray that we may truly be your children this day because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.